0: morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for You Anytime, Anywhere. Today is, is Tuesday, June the 15th, and we gather around the inspired and true Word of God, and the Holy Spirit helps us put on our Christ goggles with 2 Kings chapter 10. And this chapter is probably one of the most graphic chapters in all of Holy Scripture. In some ways, I think it's downright scary. I mean, reading this, it made me rethink about everything, what all connection it will be. And it shows us the seriousness of God's wrath because of sin and reminds us of all that Jesus took upon himself for you. Law, gospel, forgiveness and grace, salvation, all here this morning, the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us Pastor Jared Neese of St. John Lutheran Church in Corliss, Minnesota. Pastor Neese, welcome to Thy Strong Word.
1: Oh, It's great to be with you, Brady, um, and God's blessings to you also. And um, Looking forward to this. This will be a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. So Pastor Nice, this is our first time together. We know each other. We serve in the same district and known each other for a few years, but tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at St. John.
1: All right. Um, I've been in the ministry 10 years. Uh, This year, I began my ministry uh, called out of uh, seminary to the saints at St. John's and Gregory, South Dakota, and then uh, was led to Accept a uh, divine call up here uh, to St. John, another St. John in Corliss Township, just right out of Perham, And uh, it's been five years of complete joy uh, uh, serving God's people. And, um, yeah, I've got a beautiful wife, uh, two boys uh, who are thoroughly involved in hockey and baseball. So, yeah, enjoying, enjoying Northern Minnesota ministry.
0: That's great. I was going to say, you know, St. John, St. John, St. John. It's you can't, uh, you can't throw a a, what you call it. I don't know what you can throw a Minnesota, but you throw something, you almost will hit a St. John Lutheran Church somewhere, right? Isn't that how it works up here? I
1: think so. I think so. There's (laughs) quite a few of them.
0: <laughs> well, it's a joy to have you with us this morning, and it's one of these texts that I'm looking forward to your insights. But as we do, and we we hope we do all the time, we should begin. We should especially begin this chapter in prayer. Can you begin us in prayer, Pastor?
1: Absolutely, I'd be honored to. Dear gracious Father, this is the day the Lord has, you have made, and we rejoice and are glad in it. And we are glad that you have given us your word, a word to strengthen us, a word to lead us and guide us always uh, to your son, Jesus, who is the center of all scripture and uh, to whom everything points. Uh, We pray, dear Father, that you would enlighten our minds and our study of your holy word, that we may truly understand uh, the seriousness of sin uh, and also understand that you do not deal lightly with sin but at the end uh, let us see Jesus who has taken upon himself your full judgment uh, and because of that we have life and salvation lead us and guide us always by your holy spirit that he may enlighten our minds to see Jesus only in Jesus name we pray amen
0: amen pastor as we say continuously on this program that uh that the whole of, all all of holy scripture is about Jesus and you you prayed for that today and this is something we should always pray every day especially a chapter like we have today which is why i think it's important for us uh first of all that if you are listening to us today um send us an email if you have any questions or thoughts on today's text and second Kings chapter 10, KFUO at KFUO.org, or call us 1-800-730-2727, 1-800-730-2727, or 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. And Pastor, as is as, as you prayed it, we'll we'll pray the Lord guides us here by his Holy Spirit. And we come to Second Kings never in a box, never um by itself. but well, there's a context, there's a background, there's themes, all of this. Pastor, what kind of information or context do you want to give us this morning to help us out?
1: Sure. Um and just uh by way of uh just a little advice, whenever we start reading God's word, uh we want to remember three things. And this is something that was taught to me oh many years ago, probably my first year of ministry, I uh, was honored to have uh, Reverend Nabil Noor in my circuit and so he was a great influence uh, on me as a young pastor, and he taught me that uh, context context is king, culture is queen, and Christ is the center and so that that's very helpful when we read God's Word. Uh, to understand that, like you said, what we read is never in a box, and also there's a culture aspect of what's going on that we need to understand, um, and then ultimately uh, uh, we we see that Christ is the center of the text, and so the, the background of Second Kings ten um, uh, comes in in the the Book, uh, I guess, collection of kings, which uh, is the account of the uh, leaders of Israel. They wanted a leader, and God gave them what they wanted. It didn't turn out too well uh, for them. Second <laughs> um, Kings ten, though, comes after Solomon's death, uh, and. When when King Solomon died, the son of King David, um, uh, in about uh, 931 BC, there's this uh, break apart of the once-united kingdom of Israel. And now we have these two kingdoms that was once one. It it gets kind of confusing. But it's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, Northern kingdom... God's word refers to as Israel, and the with the capital of Jerusalem, and then the southern kingdom um, is referred to as Judah, and its capital is uh, Samaria. And so these these two kingdoms kind of go two different ways, um, uh, and and we read about this this splitting apart. If you want to read about that, that's in 1 Kings eleven one. Um, all the way through Second Kings, uh, but mm-hmm. that's kind of when it starts. Uh, we can also see it in Second Chronicles 10, 1 to 36, kind of gives the narrative of that event um, in 874. And so, with BC, right? We we go backwards. Uh, we're going up to zero. Uh, um, so, in 874, Ahab. We all know King Ahab, right? King Ahab becomes the king of the northern kingdom, Israel, um, and that's in 1 Kings 16.29 through 22.40, and he becomes king after his father Omri Um, dies. What we have is Omri first introduces um, the the Baal worship and, and the cultic fertility, religion, uh, connected with Baal worship um, into the northern kingdom, uh, Israel. Though Ahab takes it one step further. I mean, I mean he, he fully promotes and endorses uh, the worship of Baal. This came from his uh, being married to uh, Jezebel, um, and then from that, marriage this uh cultic uh baal worship came into um uh, the midst of god's people mm-hmm. um so ahab fully endorses it fully promotes the worship of baal uh, ahab builds a temple to baal uh, that's in first kings sixteen, thirty 30 through 33 through 33 in the mm-hmm. capital city of samaria And then he brings in uh, uh, a number of prophets of Baal in order to convert the population of God's people. Um, And so he is thoroughly um, bringing about the wrath of God. Uh, I mean, he he is thoroughly uh, trampling the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Um, And Ahab doesn't care, and Ahab is king, and how the king rules is usually how things go. Um, Throughout Ahab's reign that's recorded in 1 Kings, Ahab's desire for political power and prestige uh, leads him to act wickedly and um, again and again and again refuse to honor Yahweh or repent through hearing the spoken word given by the prophets Uh, especially Elijah. Um, And and we we remember that one uh, uh, show, not the Mount Carmel showdown, but the one before that, where Ahab accuses Elijah of being the troubler of Israel. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And and Elijah throws it back in Ahab's face. Um, And so we just have this continual uh, unrepentant, idolatry um and wickedness uh that paints ahab i mean ahab even the name is is connected with his wickedness uh and refusal to hear god's word uh this all comes to a head at the end of uh, uh first kings chapter 21 verse 29 um, after the, the brutal killing of Naboth, uh, Ahab mm-hmm. wanted Naboth's vineyard. Naboth said, no, it's been given to me by God. Uh, Ahab doesn't care, gets Jezebel involved. Naboth is killed. Uh, Ahab goes away thinking everything is hunky-dory. Um, Elijah comes on the scene and delivers uh, what is the, the ohm ride dynasty death toll, um, that God will judge Ahab and his dynasty. Um, And even though Ahab, which is very shocking, because up to this point, nothing has bothered him, even though he repents, um, the judgment of God will still be carried out. Um, Ahab uh, dies on the battlefield, uh, Jezebel meets a, a gruesome end, um, but the judgment will continue on. Um, that gets us to 2 Kings 9, where Elisha, right, the the one that was mm-hmm. given the mantle from Elijah, sends a, you could call him a seminary student, right, um, mm-hmm. a vicar, yeah. there you go, uh, to Ramath Gilead, to anoint Jehu as king of Israel uh, uh, and so and that's in second kings nine one and following Jehu then is charged with the responsibility of avenging the blood of the prophets and the servants of yahweh uh, and so what's carried out is god's judgment upon and his avenging the blood that has been shed by Ahab's dynasty. Um, and when we get this picture in Revelation 6, where, where mm. the saints are below, the martyred saints are below the incense altar crying out, how long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood? Mm. Right,
2: mm-hmm. right? And
1: mm-hmm. so there's this cry of vengeance. There's a cry of, are you going to act? Um and here's this, here's the the statement. This is what, what Yahweh will will do. Yahweh will speak. Yahweh will enact his judgment uh, upon um, for the sins committed by Ahab uh, and and the dynasty. And so uh, what what then in, unfolds is the entire family, the entire dynasty of of Ahab and Jezebel is wiped out um, mm-hmm. and and it's interesting because this happened before uh with the dynasties of both Jeroboam and mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm so, oh good point mhm uh,
1: I mean it's not like it it's not like Yahweh hasn't warned the people it's not like Yahweh has never enacted his judgment on sin and so there's really no excuse um and but what sin brings about is excuse Uh, we were talking earlier today and you brought up a very good point that and even in your introduction this is a violent chapter Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean probably one of the most violent chapters and it kind of leads us to to wonder why is this recorded uh, for our hearing? Um, why and why is God allowing such violence to to happen? Um, and that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Though I think the question is a little misleading, uh, because as my pastor taught me uh, long, long ago, God is God and I am not. Um, I'm a creature. Uh, he's the creator. And like Job found out, I have no idea why or why no, does what or why or how the creator works. Uh, I I barely understand gravity. So to understand why God would allow certain things is beyond my capacity. Though I do think that there is a good, a good question to be asked, and perhaps that would be, what does God do about sin hmm. uh, that brings such violence? Because I mean, the violence done, and and the judgment that brought about this is sin, um, and so I, with that question, it enables us to be led to see what god does about sin um and ultimately that that will lead us to jesus
0: so, Pastor, as we as we look at this, this is this is great. We've actually had Pastor Nabil Nuer here, and he said the same exact thing. So you quoted him correctly. <laughs> he said the same exact thing. <laughs> Context is king, culture is queen, Christ is the center. And part of the reason why what you just said as a complete overview is so important is because, well, it's a big book, and there's a lot we have to review. And as we look at all of the connections— Um, I encourage our listeners because what we read in 1st, 2nd Kings is very similar to what we read in 1st and 2nd Chronicles. And also the context is also in the book of Jeremiah. And so all of this, there's a lot of information. So thank you, Pastor, for bringing that all together contextually. And, you know, it says in 2nd Kings chapter 9 is basically like everything from Ahab will be destroyed. And, and you're kind of oh yeah. my gosh, what's going on? and this isn't the first time, like you said, Jeroboam Basha, um all of these before that it 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 this is what happened, and it shows you once again that our blood and and you are definitely alluding to this, our blood will not bring the forgiveness of sins um it needs something greater and something more, which obviously points us as you said so well, back to Christ now, where we are now in chapter ten. Um I think I want to just start digging in because you you've gone through the context very well. We have Jehu is now the king. Jezebel has just been executed. She's no longer with us. Ahab is gone and there's kind of a little bit of okay, well we're good. I mean, um Ahaziah is gone. Uh the the former king is gone. Uh excuse me. Um uh, oh, shoot, who am I thinking of? Who's the other king? You have Ahaziah and Joram. Joram, excuse me. They're all gone and and uh, Jezebel's gone, Ahab's gone, all of them are gone, so we're good to go, right? But then chapter 10 comes and it's not quite done. So, uh, Pastor, are nope. we, we ready to dig in?
1: Sure, sure.
0: Let's do it. Let's do so, it. Uh, once again, go ahead.
1: Uh, do you want me just to read out of God's word or just uh, nope. kind of go through it?
0: I'll I'll, I'll I'll read, and uh, you give us all the wisdom. How about that? All right, that sounds good. <laughs> so let's do it. A reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, Second Kings chapter 10, and I'll begin with verses 1 through 5. We'll go all the way, 1 through 5. Now Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria. So Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria, to the rulers of the city, to the elders, and to the guardians of the sons of Ahab, saying, Now then, as soon as this letter comes to you, seeing your master's sons are with you, and there are with you chariots and horses, fortified cities also, and weapons, select the best and fittest of your master's sons, and set him on his father's throne, and fight for your master's house. But they were exceedingly afraid, and said, Behold, the two kings could not stand before him. How can we stand? So he who was over the palace and he who was over the city together with the elders and the guardians sent Jehu saying, we are your servants and we will do all that you tell us. We will not make anyone king. Do whatever is good in your eyes. So in these first five verses, um, you know, Ahab is gone. I mean, he's not, he's no longer part of the equation. Um, Do we know how many years uh, that Ahab has been, has passed away?
1: Uh, it's around 14 years uh, okay. at this point but it's it's shockingly that you know his his he still is involved um, you know <laughs> right. even yeah. though he's dead uh, his lineage is still there um, so yeah um and so in the in the First three verses uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of strange We we get this challenge From Jehu um, and, and the challenge is Hey uh, uh, Set one of Ahab's sons uh, That's master Would be Ahab right Set one mm-hmm. of Ahab's sons On the throne Which is in opposition to him Jehu And, and it's this ruse uh, To um, discover how the the feeling and attitude of the leading men of the kingdom is before jehu proceeds with you know this extermination campaign of of Ahab's family it's
2: mm-hmm. it's,
1: it's pretty brilliant um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: what we find out is it works uh the leading men are are not willing to to do this and appoint a king, because they probably figured out how it'll end for them if they mm. do such a thing, and they simply are willing to carry out whatever Jehu commands. And so it mm. kind of sets up the sets up what will follow uh, in the in the next verses.
0: It is interesting as you say that because it's basically like okay, um, here you go. Here's a scenario. Uh, Do this, and you have all of this right. There, chariots and horses, fortified cities. Everything is good to go. Just, just put a king up there and see what happens. And they're like, um, let me think here two kings, um, Ahaziah, Joram did couldn't do it, so we should do it. Nope, not going to do it. You tell us what you want to do. <laughs> and so it's a very much so a, a, a reality and maybe even a faith statement, I guess you would say, that they definitely knew that Jehu was doing things of the Lord. And not only they want to save their own skin, but kind of, a you know, we know the Lord is on your side. So as we look at that, it worked, and you know there's a there's a cunning nature of Jehu that we see in this chapter um, that right. really comes to a head, and God works through it, and obviously in a strange way as we read further on. But as we look at the first five verses, there, Pastor, any other thoughts uh, before we move on? No, no. Okay, we're, so we're good. So right now they have the servants on their side, and they're waiting for something to come from Jehu. So we'll continue. We'll we'll slowly go through these next verses just to make sure that we're following the story correctly. Verses six and seven. Then he, Jehu, wrote to them a second letter saying, If you are on my side, and if you are ready to obey me, take the heads of your master's sons and come to me at Jezreel tomorrow at this time. Now the king's sons, 70 persons, were, were with the great men of the city who were bringing them up. And as soon as a letter came to them, they took up the king's sons and slaughtered them, 70 persons, and put their heads in the baskets, and sent them to him at Jezreel. Well, I've been saying this a lot lately, but this isn't quite what you remember in Sunday school. Pastor, did you learn this story (laughs) in Sunday school? Um, Did you learn this? (laughs) I don't believe so. (laughs) I don't believe so. I don't believe so. So... so right. So what happens, and this is something that I do want to uh, address, because there's a part of it that you go tongue in cheek, that you you kind of joke about it, but you also realize that this is gonna hit I mean this hits my ears, kind of a little like mm-hmm. shocking. My my heart is grieving a little bit. But so just the basic part of it is he sends a second letter. They say we're willing to do whatever you ask, and then he sends it to him and says, Okay, behead all the, the sons of of the king of Ahab, which first of all would have definitely gone against what they wanted to do because this is their old king. They don't want to go against this. And it seems like um, they do it almost seamlessly. They just do it and it's done. Um, All of them are gone and they're going to bring their heads up to Jezreel. Pastor, when we hear this, we have about a minute left before our break. Just give us a simple one of your members reads this comes to your church comes to your office and says pastor I don't like this. Um I don't like that this is something that happened. Maybe a minute and a half. I'll give you a minute and a half. How about that? Uh and so what would you say to them about why you know that how we can reconcile this as Christians. Oh boy. Um <laughs> try to keep you on your toes pastor.
1: <laughs> we can't I mean this, well, I mean, we, we get this from uh, way back in Deuteronomy, where Yahweh says, I will surely punish the children of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate mm. me and do not listen to my commands. Right. I mean, sin is sinister. Sin is just not something that I can have this idea that it's private, and my sin doesn't affect anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um Sin is cancerous. Sin, it it spreads and just makes a mess. Uh, you know, I I've got if I've got enough time. Uh, in undergrad, I was a printmaker uh, for my masters uh, for my undergraduate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get ink from printmaking on your hands. Everything you touch will be inky. And so what do you need? You need someone to wash your hands, because if you try to wash your own hands, you're just going to make a mess of everything. You know, sin is so much more greater. Uh, and and there's a judgment for sin. Um, and there's a judgment for other people's sin. Um, you know, we'll get onto it a little later, but, you know, we need to be careful that Yes, we eat with sinners and we welcome sinners, though we need to be careful that we're not um, influenced uh, to disregard God's word or, or disregard God's Torah. Um, I mean, it's, it's serious, um, and the consequences of sin are serious, um, as we see here.
0: And that is is a great point, because how many times do we just not um, take sin serious? It's almost like, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It didn't really hurt anybody else. But no, our sins... Are something that gets spread and cause problems for others. Not only that, but our own soul. Um, that we if we start dismissing sin, then there's other issues. And it shows us that there is blood that needs to be shed, and our own blood will not do it. But Pastor, great job with that. I kind of gave you a big one right before the break. Well, now we'll take a break <laughs> and we're studying second Kings chapter ten with Pastor Jason Neese, and we'll be right back. <laughs>
1: The trained soldiers of the Army National Guard are a new generation of leaders called to serve and make a difference. Do you want to make a difference? During our Hiring Days event, May 10th to June 14th, we're hiring highly motivated candidates for part-time careers in the Army National Guard. You can work or attend college full-time while you earn a paycheck and great benefits. Learn more about serving part-time in the Army National Guard at nationalguard.com slash hiringdays. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association at this station.
0: Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Smith, host of Concord Matters, where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. Join us as we read through the Book of Concord and look at confessional topics, as learned guests and lively discussion will lead us to appreciate how the treasures of the Lutheran confessions apply in the 21st century as much as they did in the 16th. So join us every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central on KFUO Radio or on demand through the Concord Matters podcast. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Welcome back. We are studying 2 Kings chapter 10 with Pastor Jared Nice And Pastor, we got an email and it's something that I guess I didn't think much about either in your introduction um, because it is so confusing, the two kingdoms. The question is, um, was, wasn't Jerusalem the capital of Judah and Samaria was the capital of Israel? And I'm trying to remember exactly what you had said. Pastor, what, what, um, what did you say? Let's, let's clarify this. So we have on the same page.
1: I misspoke, and so, yes, it is <laughs> It is confusing, and so yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you to the listeners. See, pastors are not uh, without error. God's Word is without error, but pastors can be in error. So, yes, <laughs> uh, Northern Kingdom, uh, Samaria, Southern Kingdom, uh, Jerusalem.
0: You gotcha go. okay yeah very good it was funny because sunday morning i was very tired sunday um, just life happens. You know, you get tired and on Sunday morning. I told everyone, "Okay, we're gonna read from." Um, we were reading the uh, we're in Book of Acts and the Eutychus and falling from there. And then I compared it to, um, the the resurrection story in First Kings seventeen. And I I was like, okay, I read these verses. And I read like twenty verses. and weren't even the r- verses I told them I was gonna read. So they're sitting there, <laughs> and they're so kind. And they're like, yeah, Pastor, that's not the right reading. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then am reading the right read thing. So yeah, mine is far worse than what but what, what, you, what you missed there. Anyways, now we're on the same page. We're on the same page. All right. So, so we are looking at this, that first of all, that God's word is God's word. When thus says the Lord, he means it. And you said that so well with the seriousness of sin. And I challenge our listeners, Pastor Ray gave us a good image of if you've ever, I remember those old like uh, um, ink, Uh, pads that you would you would put your little um, uh, what do you call it stamp in it and then go so forth I remember as a kid kind of you know you have those visions of people go to the jail and they put their their prints or so forth at least back in the day probably not that way anymore Um, but you realize that that Ink just kind of keeps going. People can see exactly where you've been the whole time. And that's a great reminder of sin. That sin just kind of keeps with us. It sticks to us. And it shows us that the seriousness of sin and also the seriousness of God's word. Um, and that's and that's going to continue on here in these next verses. So, Pastor, just a little bit, anything else in these first um the first number of verses that we read so far.
1: Uh You know uh, we'll we'll, if this this thought continues on with with the readings through actually verse 11 but um, we also see that yahweh doesn't hide his face or ignore the abuse Mm. of his people and prophets sure that yahweh does act um and so all the abuse that god's people received uh, during the reign of ahab and jezebel and we need to be honest i mean Ahab was not a friend of God's people. Um, I mean, God's people suffered tremendously under this dynasty. And so, I mean, we can't sit back and say, oh, these poor people. I mean, the the violence done, you know, brings the, the anger and wrath of God because what we see in God's word is, uh, when God's people are misused and abused, it is as if God himself is being misused and abused. And so what happens to his people, he takes as happening to himself.
2: Mm-hmm. And so what we see mm-hmm. is
1: God is, is coming for, is, is fighting for his people. Um, God enacts judgment upon those who by their violence against his prophets, show their hatred of him uh, he and he avenges his people uh, that's what we see uh being met out
0: so let's continue on verses 8 through 11 when the heads of the king's sons he said lay them in two heaps at the entrance of the gate until the morning then in the morning when we went out when he went out excuse me he stood and said to all the people you are innocent It was I who conspired against my master and killed him. But who struck down all these? Now when there shall fall to the earth nothing of the word of the Lord Yahweh, which the Lord Yahweh spoke concerning the house of Ahab, for the Lord Yahweh has done what he said by his servant Elijah. So Jehu struck down all who remain in the house of Ahab in Jezreel, and all his great men and his close friends and his priests until he left him none remaining. So we probably don't need to rehash this too much, but right now it's much of the same that, that God uh, has rule over human history, that he is not hiding this and the enactment of judgment is not just going to be a few, but it's going to be all. So any, any short thoughts on that before we continue on?
1: Um, let's, you know, Jehu speaks. And, and again, uh, he's speaking. What we hear is he's, he's, Speaking as though, and, and it is, the command he's doing here with what the Lord has commanded him to do. Um, and Jehu takes his actions that are done against the sons of Ahab, a part of Yahweh's judgment against Ahab that was spoken by Elijah. Um, um, and And so the extermination of, of Ahab's household um continues without protest. Uh uh and it is the the judgment spoken uh, by Elisha to Ahab and I believe it was at Jezreel because that's where Naboth's mm-hmm. vineyard was. Mm-hmm. And so for For we who are reading God's word, whenever this word, this name comes up, Jezreel, we need to be reminded what happened at Jezreel. Um, Naboth is massacred for upholding God's word and God's command uh, regarding uh, what is given. You know, Naboth couldn't give it away because it was given to him. And the word of God and the Torah put stipulations of what Naboth was able to do with it. Uh, and Ahab disregards God's word and God's command and does what he wants and massacres Naboth. Uh, and so we also have that in our, our minds while this is all going on. is Why is this all going well? Remember, uh the action of ahab against naboth and then the, finally the judgment the word of judgment given by uh elijah um to ahab
0: and that's a good reminder with naboth because there was some sweet justice there where the the bodies of ahaziah was brought To Naboth. I mean, it goes back to that as well. We hear this in chapter 9, where there is this kind of, you know, hey, this happened in the past, and now they're gone, and then they bring the body back to that same place that Ahab has stolen from Naboth and the vineyard that is there. Yesterday, we had a great discussion Mm -hmm. on that with Pastor Bob Hiller, so I remind our listeners, if you haven't listened to that, Pastor Hiller has some great insights on Naboth and even what what it looks like today. So uh, let's continue on, 12 through 17. Then he set out and went to Samaria. On the way he was at Beth-Echid of the shepherds, Jehu met the relatives of Ahaziah, king of Judah. And he said, Who are you? And they answered, We are the relatives of Ahaziah, and came down to visit the royal princes and the sons of the queen mother. And he said, Take them alive. And they took them alive and slaughtered them at the pit of beth Akid, 42 persons, and he spared none of them. And when he departed from there, he met Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, coming, coming to meet him. And he greeted him and said to him, Is your heart true to my heart as mine is to yours? And Jehonadab answered, It is. Jehu said, If it is, give me your hand. So he gave him his hand. And Jehu took him up with him in the chariot and said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord Yahweh. So he had him ride in his chariot and he had to to Samaria. He struck down all who remained to Ahab and Samaria till he had wiped them out according to the word of the Lord Yahweh that he spoke to Elijah. So a couple of things here. First of all, you got to be careful who you say you're related to. I think as a a Uh teaching point here, it's like, who are you? (laughs) Oh, we're related to Ahaziah. Like, oh, well, come with us, please. Like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? Um, Any thoughts on these verses?
1: Well, it would appear that by their association with Ahab, um, they are in allegiance with Ahab and and the dynasty. Um, and also by their allegiance and, and association with Ahab, Yahweh's judgment falls on them also.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, and we even see this um, in Deuteronomy. Uh, where those associated with those who who sin against Yahweh's commands and his Torah, their their judgment is met on them. Um, uh, Is it Achan? You know, Achan Mm -hmm. is the one who stole, right? Yeah, because he's Achan, Mm because he was stoned. Um, uh, Him and his family. Um, And so there's this, there's this sin is so pervasive and it, it is so uh, horrendous that everything associated with sin is uh, gotten rid of. Um, It kind of shocks us because we have this idea, we live in this culture where I, I suffer for what I do and you know, uh, no one else does. But that's not the case, because if I act wickedly, my children will suffer for that. Um, if I act wickedly, you as a as a brother pastor are going to suffer, because uh, people are going to talk to you. You know, what's Pastor Niece doing? You know, uh, and and they're going to look at you in perhaps a a different way, like you're friends with that guy. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that there is a cautiousness of being associated with sin. Mm. Um, and and I say that carefully because we're commanded to uh, by our Lord Jesus to reach out and befriend the sinner. And but at the same time, sin is serious. It's not something that we laugh at. It's not something that we think uh, is just an oops. It's not something that we should disregard or excuse in any way. Um, Sin brings the wrath of God. Uh, And if it's not repented of and ran away from, it brings the wrath of God. And we see it, it here. Um, and it startles us and shocks us, Um, and that's a good thing, because it should, Uh, because then it it wakes us up to the seriousness of uh, disregarding God's Word.
0: And that's a good tension Uh, that you leave us with, Pastor, because there is that reality as as Christians, as Jesus ate with sinners— we realize we need to be able to reach out to people, to care for people, while at the same time realizing, and we're going to see this a little bit later with Jehu, um, saying, you know, we have to realize our own um, frailty. We have to realize our own temptations and to live in that reality that, you know what, we need to. Uh, make sure what are we associated with, who are we associated with, especially when it comes to faith. But Pastor, we need to kind of keep moving here. Uh, we're in verse sure. 18. So it goes from just kind of the family lineage and those who are with you to Baal. Um, you kind of thought Baal was over with. I mean, this goes back to First, uh, first Kings and, and Elijah and they had the showdown. And what's going on? Baal's still around? Well, we'll find out they are and we'll find out what happens. 18 through 27. Then Jehu assembled all the people and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little, but Jehu will serve him much. Now therefore, call to me all the prophets of Baal, all his worshippers, and all his priests. Let none be missing, for I have great sacrifice to offer for Baal. Whoever is missing shall not live. But Jehu did it with cunning in order to destroy the worshippers of Baal. And Jehu ordered, sanctify a psalm assembly for Baal. So they proclaimed it and Jehu sent throughout all Israel and all the worshipers of Baal came. And so there was not a man left who did not come. And they entered the house of Baal and the house of Baal was filled from one end to the other. And he said to him who was in charge of the wardrobe, bring out the vestments for all the worshipers of Baal. And he brought out the vestments for them. Then Jehu went into the house of Baal with Jehonadab, the son of Rechab. And he said to the worshipers of Baal, search. And see that there is no servant of the Lord Yahweh here among you, but only worshippers of Baal. And when they went in to offer sacrifices, and then they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings. Now Jehu had stationed 80 men outside and said, The man who allows any of them whom I would give into your hands to escape shall forfeit his life. So soon they made an end and offering of the burnt offering. Jehu said to the guard and to the officers, Go in and strike them down. Let not a man escape. And so when they put them in the sword, the guard and the officers cast them out and went to the inner room of the house of Baal. And they brought out the pillar that was in the house of Baal and burned it. And they demolished the pillar of Baal and demolished the house of Baal and made it a latrine to this day. So pastor, we only have a few minutes to cover this before we have to finish our text. But this one is very clear. Not only is he against who you're associated with, but he is against other idols. And he does it through Jehu in a very cunning way. What are your thoughts on Mm -hmm. these verses?
1: Well, again, it's it's this kind of this idea that, you know, oh, you thought Ahab uh, served Baal, watch me. And so he he, uh, brings and he he, has this guise of of getting everyone together, uh, all the Prophets of Baal and all the worshipers of Baal into the temple, um, in order to eradicate them. Uh, and and here we see this this interesting thing with Jehu that you alluded to, right? Um, objectively, uh, this is good and right, right? Um, uh, Yahweh's divine command uh, that Yahweh is in in charge, um, and that those who do not worship Yahweh. Are are uh, uh, removed, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: there's something with Jehu that's going on because uh, for himself it seems kind of self-centered. Um, <laughs> uh, the 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 worshippers of Baal would have been uh, in allegiance to Ahab and his dynasty, and this would have been very dangerous for uh, Jehu and his his reigning as as king um uh and we get this by the fact that Jehu like in the next section of text allows this cattle uh, the the calf worship to continue however uh Yahweh still uses Jehu's even self-centered reasons for his own purposes and his own judgment um and then the the yeah the latrine is is the the word in Hebrew is mahara, which is a cesspool or privies, and so mm. it's the ultimate insult to to make this temple into a bathroom.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, and it is, it is interesting because this place that was sacred is now no better than you know a stall. Um, in your local bathroom and totally uh, shows that. You know, it'd be interesting. This would be something interesting for our listeners that if you wanted to research, are there other times that God does this in the scriptures? I'm not sure offhand. I don't know if we have time to read, get into it, but it is interesting how... He takes what was sacred and he makes it into uh, basically the the lowest of lows. And then obviously God can take the lowest of lows. Obviously the cross is a great example of this and make it into a sacred place where we know we are truly saved. So um, it goes back to the Baal prophets uh, with Elijah. And basically it has no power, it has no authority. It was done in a cunning way. It's a little bit hard to swallow. But as you've said over, and I like how you keep saying this, is that these sins have consequences and it's sinister i think that's a great word that you used as well now pastor we only have about five minutes left so i want to get done with these rest of these verses so we can wrap up the whole thing and get your last sure. thoughts so 28 okay. through 36 thus jehu wiped out baal from israel but jehu did not turn aside from the sins of jeroboam the son of Nebat, which he had made israel to sin that is the golden calves that were in bethel and in dan and the Lord Yahweh said to Jehu, Because you have done well in carrying out what is right in my eyes, and have done to the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart, your sons in the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. But Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord Yahweh, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not turn from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin. In those days the Lord began to cut off parts of Israel. Hazael defeated them throughout the territory of Israel, from the Jordan eastward in the land of Gilead, the Gadites, the Reubenites, the Manasites, from Aor, which is by the valley of the Arnon, that is Gilead and Bashan. Now, the rest of the acts of Jehu and all that he did and that his might are not written, are they not written in the book of Chronicles and the kings of Israel? So Jehu slept with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria, and Jehoahaz, his son, reigned in his place. The time that Jehu reigned over Israel and Samaria was 28 years. Now, Pastor, we, we kind of have a unique ending to this because when we get to verse 27, it seems like he's doing pretty darn well. I mean, not well in the yeah. sense of uh, a worldly sense, but he's doing exactly what the Lord told him. He's beheading yeah. um, the sons. He's taking care of the Baal prophets. He's even taking care of Ahaziah's extended family. He's doing everything that was asked of him, but yet it still wasn't good enough. Um, any other thoughts uh, before we wrap things up?
1: Yeah, it, it, the the reader is, is left to go, ah, you know, could, could this king finally be a, a righteous, good king for God's people? And then verse 28 comes, and all hopes are dashed. Um, uh, because once again we see that Israel is stiff-necked and will not, um, uh, cannot do it perfectly uh the, even this king uh fails uh and so the reader is is thinking what king will, and that then drives us to the lord jesus um, the the one who fulfills what is needed to be done, and the one who becomes lower than a cesspool right he becomes the very Object of God the Father's wrath You know He's the one that drinks The full cup Of the Father's fury Um, He Becomes sin As Paul says right? He who knew no sin Is made Sin Uh, I mean and that's just We can't even Fathom that uh, where Jesus embodies everything that that brings the Father's wrath, and Jesus alone takes the Father's wrath, drinks the cup of the Father's wrath. And now we have salvation, um, for the Father's wrath is taken in Jesus. Um, Though, just as we see here, uh, if you remove Jesus, if you remove the Word Mm. of God made flesh, well, then you've removed the one who's taken the Father's wrath, and now you are confronted with the Father um, without the Son. Uh, Mm.
0: Without an advocate. Without an advocate. Without an advocate. (laughs) Without without a substitute, absolutely. And that's where it's very telling, this Jehu, who seems to do everything right. He's got it all. He's done exactly what the Lord has said. But then there's still some idols on the side, which reminds us of our own idols and the things that we have on the side. Pastor, we have about 30 seconds left. How would you summarize this chapter for us this morning? I
1: would summarize it as... uh... Uh, God is very serious with sin Uh, God does not take sin lightly God does not laugh over sin God does Mm -hmm. not ignore sin Uh, And sin brings God's judgment But thanks be to God uh, He has given us uh, The righteous king Uh, Jesus uh, who points us to the Father Uh, who announces him as his Messiah, Uh, Jesus, who is the only victim, Jesus, who is the one who is the only one the soldiers attack, Jesus, who is the one who is only broken, Uh, Jesus, who is alone, mocked and ridiculed, Uh, Jesus, the very temple of God, right? Uh, The Mm -hmm. one whom the temple points to is torn down. Um, And through the judgment, And through the judgment met out on Jesus uh, there is salvation for us and all people. And so we see this in this narrative uh, uh, that without Christ all hope is lost, but because of Christ there is hope.
0: Pastor Jared Neese of St. John Lutheran Church in Corliss, Minnesota, helping us put on our Christ goggles in 2 Kings chapter 10. Pastor Neese, thank you for being our guest.
1: You are so welcome.
0: Saints of our Lord, when God says, thus says the Lord, he meets business. As Pastor Neese said so well, he doesn't laugh at sin, he doesn't overlook sin. No, he takes it on himself and puts it on himself where all the wrath of God is satisfied Because of our Lord Jesus, on account of his cross, is placed on him and not us. For this, we rejoice now, and we will forevermore. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.